0: Hi, welcome to the Parenting Reframe podcast. I am Elbiona Rakipi, your host. I'm a former teacher, a parent, currently a pediatric speech and language pathologist, and I'm a writer. I've worked with thousands of children and families throughout the last 20 years, and I have learned so much. On this podcast, we'll approach parenting from a curious place. We'll ask questions and get answers, explore new ideas unpack the unconscious beliefs and expectations we hold on to about parenting, and reframe what it means to parent. We'll search for solutions to some of our biggest parenting challenges, set aside judgments, and find our way through this wild journey. My hope is that this podcast is a space where parents can feel seen, heard, and supported. Welcome aboard, and let's reframe together. On today's episode of the Parenting Reframe podcast, I'm interviewing Amanda Prater. Amanda is a board-certified behavior analyst, and we're going to talk all about potty training. Amanda trains parents in potty training, the art of potty training, how to get through it, and she is the absolute best. I also work with Amanda, and I love her to pieces. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. I know you will get so much out of it, particularly if you are in the throes of potty training right now. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Parenting Reframe podcast. I have my good friend on the podcast today, Amanda Prater, and we are going to talk all about potty training. And you're really in for a good episode because Amanda is really well-versed in this area and has been um, a parent kind of coach teacher for many of the parents at the Kaufman Children's Center and other places as well. So I'm excited to get her input and to be able to share it with all of you. So hi, Amanda, and welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Of course, I've been excited. I think the minute I started the podcast, I came and found you in the hallways at work. Amanda and I work together. I should also state that. Um, I was like, you have to come on and talk about potty training. I think it's a question that I get asked frequently. And um, I was telling you about this actually the other day when we were talking and I was saying that although I can help a lot in terms of like what to tell parents as it pertains to potty training and early childhood and development and things like that, my own kids were actually really easy to potty train. I feel bad even saying that, but they just didn't give me a hard time. Lucky. So yeah, right. I think I was totally lucky. And I think we talked a little bit about this idea of like, I potty trained them actually a little earlier. And I actually think what ended up happening was they weren't at that point of their development yet where they knew or had any sense of real agency over themselves at that point. And I think they were just happy to oblige. So I don't know if I just kind of capitalized at the right time or what it was, but I'm excited to have on because I think it's a challenge for a lot of parents, and I think it can be a source of stress. And so, let's see if we can unpack that in a way that feels a little bit more doable and achievable. Let's jump right in. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. All right. So, where does a parent even begin? A lot of the comments I get are, "How do I know if my child is ready to start potty training?"
1: That's a good question. Parents ask me that all the time, and I think that the hard answer that isn't always well received is that you might never really know. And I think that kiddos at any age can be ready to start potty training. And when I say any age, I mean like 18 months and up, Um, but there isn't too young or too old. And even if your child isn't really demonstrating anything that you're overtly seeing as like, okay, they're definitely ready. You can still start and you can still be successful. Your journey might be different. Um, From another parent who has a child who is demonstrating some ready signs, meaning that it just the process might happen quicker. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't start and you can't take it on. There are some things I think that you can look at that some signs that your child might be ready is if they're staying dry for longer periods of time. Um, A lot of times I'm sure a lot of parents have seen their child um, hiding when they're having bowel movement. Or even telling you that they're going in their diaper. I had that with my youngest. I have a four-year-old and a Mm -hmm. three-year-old. I had a very easy experience with my three-year-old. We started potty training when he was two. Um, He pretty much potty trained himself. Uh, It would just tell me, mom, I'm got to go pee. We haven't even tried anything yet. And he was excited and interested in going in the bathroom would be another sign. Um, But then you also have kids like my four-year-old had uh, no interest and the process was much more lengthy and a lot more resistant. So in terms of readiness, if your child is dry longer, telling you when they're going, even if they are going in their pull-up or their diaper, um, going and hiding. So being, again, aware that they are voiding or having a bowel movement is a nice step for our child to be aware of. Um, also, if they're happy in the bathroom. So do they spend any time in there, even if it's for something different like hand washing. And they are a willing participant to any types of tasks that happen in the bathroom, even if it's not sitting on the toilet. If your child will not even remotely go in there, they're not interested if you try to get them to go in, if you're getting whining, crying tantrums, Mm -hmm. that might be a place that you start instead. So not really formal toilet training, but just some toleration type training of doing some fun things in the bathroom just to take out that fear factor or the aversiveness of I don't know what goes on when we're in here.
0: Yeah, I love that. I did that with both of my kids. I actually um, just set up a bunch of their favorite books yeah. in the bathroom. And we used to sometimes just go in there and sit and read a couple yes. stories and then leave the bathroom, right? And so there was sort of no expectation. It was just that right. we were going to really get comfortable in that space and not make it quite this like demand kind of a situation, but just that, hey, let's introduce you to this whole new idea. Yes. I love that. And those are really good signs to think about, too, because I know you and I were talking about it. And I think one of the things that might come up is that. Sometimes um, a parent will say something like, they're just telling me they're not ready, like verbally saying, you know, like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to use the bathroom. I'm not ready. Or they're waiting for them to come up to them and say something like, I'm ready to use the bathroom now. And we kind of have talked about like, that's not really how children communicate. Like you want to pay closer attention to what some of those other signs are and really kind of seize those moments. So now that we get to that place where we see some signs, we see some readiness and some tolerance and some positive attitude about being in the bathroom, What are sort of next steps for a parent?
1: I think prep is huge. Um, Sometimes we skip that and then we get stuck in, like parents are so eager to take on toileting because it makes our lives so much easier when your kids are potty trained Mm -hmm. that we kind of get the toilet training bug and we just want to start and we jump in too fast without having kind of a a clear thought out plan. And not that everything has to be so formal and clinical, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. Uh, but even just simple steps of preparation are so key um, that when you skip those, you're so much more likely to kind of pull the plug or just say, you know what, I can't keep going with this today or I'll try it again next week. And then it makes you feel unsuccessful, even though you're putting in this effort. So I think preparation is key. What I mean by that is all kinds of different things. So what you physically need. So do we have a ton of changes of clothes and not just in one bathroom, but in multiple, in a bag, in the car? Mm -hmm. shoes is a big one we don't think about this but this sometimes ruins it for parents or gets us feeling like oh my gosh so if your child has an accident or toilet training they get pee in their shoes i don't have any other shoes and you're kind of just like i'm calling it for the day what else are we supposed to do yeah so crocs are great or like wipeable shoes um and they can even wear if it's winter or cooler months wear socks with wipeable shoes so that You could throw in 10 pairs of socks. That's easy. Mm -hmm. Change their socks, wipe and sanitize their shoes and pop those back on. And that's not something that deters you, but that's something that I didn't always think about that in the beginning. And that was a game change for me as a parent is thinking about the shoes. So not just the clothes, but the socks and the shoes. And then what about just having those, um, the good stuff too? Are they getting some kind of reward? And even if it's small, like a, a sticker or something, do I have those? Do I have those in my car, in my bag, in my purse? Yeah. Um, to make sure so that when you do finally catch it, because you might have a couple days of so many accidents in the beginning. And when you finally get that moment of success, you gotta be ready or you might have so many more accidents to go through again, which is also exhausting as a parent. Um, So just having, if you are providing some kind of reward or thing they love, that we have that ready, the shoes, the clothes. Um, So making sure you have some kind of support I think support is really key. So even if you are a single parent um, or even if a grandparent or there's a different caregiver um, that's with your child more than you, I know that's the case for me. I work a lot. So I have other people are with my kids quite a bit, um, making sure that they're kind of on board, too, and that we're all kind of just passing the baton and doing it together. Um, If some folks are doing it and some are not, that's also going to prolong how long it takes you to achieve success and feel like your child is successfully potty trained, so to speak. So I think having support and also just when things get really hard in the beginning, you know, the first day is tough because they're they're used to doing what they have been doing in terms of whatever your child's pattern of having accidents or what they do when they have to go to the bathroom is. Mm-hmm. Just because you say day one, we're starting toilet training doesn't mean it's going to look astronomically different on day one. That can be frustrating. So making sure you have some kind of support system for tapping out if you need to, like I need an hour. Yeah. Out or away, where I'm not cleaning the accidents in somebody else's. I'm going to get myself together and I'm coming back in. Also, makes it so much easier as a parent to stay consistent. I know I needed that. My first child, my older, he's um, he's almost five now, but he was a bear <laughs> the toilet train, and I really needed my husband to say like I need a few hours to not clean up pee or not have to coax in the bathroom. And it made so much of a difference having somebody to help me. So I, I think for a few days, if you could find somebody, friend. Yeah. Co-worker, cool someone just to listen to you as you're like this inspires. Sure. Um, I think that's important and just know it will get better. Um, and you will get there and there will be different
0: bumps, but you'll get there. Yeah. It's just different for everybody. Totally. I think that's really huge too to almost like just mindset adjustments too. Like yes. just go into it with maybe not these expectations of like it's gonna be a home run right away and that yeah. it gets a little bit exhausting and you're gonna have moments where you feel frustrated, but to really kind of stay the course the best you can and lean on people.
1: Yeah, it's like get yourself ready as much as you're getting the stuff ready, I mentioned in terms of clothes and shoes, you have to get yourself ready. And if you're not in a good headspace, maybe it's not the time to start. And it's okay, even if you're getting pressure from whoever, your parents, your coworkers, every friend you have, their child is toilet trained. Put that out. You need to be ready yourself or it's not gonna go anywhere anyway. So if that means waiting a week, waiting a month, Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah.
0: No, I totally agree. I know it's like that compare and despair, like gets to all of us. Like we always feel like we're on this, I don't know, it's like this elusive race that you're on by yourself because you're just comparing what your friends' kids are doing or, you know, these timelines that we've put in our heads of being the the right time and the best time. And, you know, just kind of really let go of all of that and really think about like what it is that needs to happen in that moment. Yeah. So then we're getting started. You know, we're kind of locking in and knowing we're getting our mind right for it. Our expectations have been adjusted. We have the physical space ready. We have changes of clothes. We're leaning on our team, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So then, what does it look like? Are we doing timers? Are we sort of um, what does the incentive look like? How do we reinforce when they do use the bathroom in a way that feels really positive that's going to motivate them to keep doing it? What are those next steps?
1: So, I think there's a couple ways you can approach that. And I do want to say that we really use and look at a lot of the nice materials and resources that Mary Barbera, if you haven't looked into her, she's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, she is a a mom that she is a BCBA like me, a board certified behavior analyst. She has a child with autism, but a lot of the things that she writes for parents aren't specific to having a child with autism, so to speak. It's just about utilizing her knowledge. that she has clinically as a parent and she's also a nurse which is yeah a cool unique perspective and all her materials are just very approachable and parent friendly mm-hmm. um so i would urge you to check out she has a lot of free resources on toilet in particular and we take a lot of the things that we use in clinic and that i even use again with my own kids when i toilet train them through some of her resources um so there's kind of two approaches and this this is kind of you'll see this everywhere there's a more intensive toilet training approach And then there's more of your scheduled sits, which I think is what most people tend to start with. Um, So maybe we'll start with talking about scheduled sits first since I think that's what most people have tried to do or um, have done. And what that involves is around an interval of time, so an hour, two hours, you're going to take your child to the bathroom to sit or stand them, whatever you determined um, you like to do with your child and see if you can catch them pee or poop Mm -hmm. in the potty. And over time, Your goal would be to go longer and longer periods of time. So in other words, not taking them so often and then still be successful. And then at the end of your toilet training experience, you should be really only kind of sitting them, so to speak. At times, you normally would anyways, in terms of like when they wake up or before bed or if you're about to get into the car. But besides that, not taking them at all anymore. And the idea there is that they've began at that point initiating themselves So one tip I would give is to be careful not to be really rigid on your schedule for too long, or you will create dependency on you as a parent initiating the bathroom. And over time, you will see your child not initiate or just waiting for somebody to ask them, uh, which over time, if the time period goes too long and nobody's asked them, they might have an accident. So moving forward. So if you're taking them every hour and we are doing pretty good, start creeping that up a little bit. Like fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, um, and I think the thing that helps you to know of, like, well, how the heck do I know where to, like, how long should I wait, and what if they don't go? It is kind of dependent on your kids' patterns. Um, so, not to bring in the clinical piece because I really don't want to be too clinical, but it does help. Even if you jot for a few days, um, make a note on your phone or a sticky note, like how often are they wet or times that they're pooping helps you so much to have a better sense of like, how often should I take my kid? Because if your child's staying dry for two hours pretty reliably, I would put them on a two-hour schedule to start versus thinking I'm going to take them every 10 minutes to make sure I catch it. If you're taking them too often and they're able to stay dry longer, you might create some aversion or problem behavior in the bathroom because they're like, why does my mom keep bringing me in here, my dad and my Mm -hmm. grandma, when I don't have to go and I don't need to be in here? So that you want to be careful on not taking them too often. Don't assume you need to be on this very tight schedule initially. That's not the same for every time. Um, If your child is peeing very frequently, then yes, you might start at a spot where like, yeah, you might be trying to sit in the potty every 20 to 30 minutes in the very beginning and then moving forward. And the idea would be after you have whatever kind of time period you're trying, if they've stayed dry between those and you're getting some successes, Usually, the rule of thumb I would say you've had three at your current kind of time frame that you're trying, then try to bump
0: it up, or meaning like wait a little bit longer before your next one. Okay, so at what point do you kind of wait for them to initiate?
1: So what we've done here, and that we've I've done in my own life even is when you get to a point of if you're on like a anywhere from like a two and a half hour to a three hour schedule, so you're asking them or if they need to go or reminding them to use the bathroom. Two and a half, three hours is when I would drop it. Or if they initiate even once by themselves, that's kind of a cue. And like, even if you think you're not there yet, try to drop your schedule. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a two hour schedule, but your child one day says like, hey, mommy, I need to go to the bathroom that's great. I would try then for the rest of that day. Like, let's, again, only remind as you normally would, like before bed or before getting in the car. Besides that, don't and see if you can really just run with that. And they'll ask you more often.
0: I think that's really good because I know, I mean, I did this for sure, but I know something I see over and over is the constant reminder. Like every five minutes, like just remind Did you want to use the bathroom? Yes, because we're so afraid of the accident. And then also like when you leave the house, it's like compounded, you know, that fear is even worse. So it's like every millisecond or you're just running to every bathroom you see just to try just in case. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like that is for sure something I did, even in the beginning when I sort of deemed them as potty trained, we were still so skeptical every time we'd leave the house. So I like that a lot. And I think that puts a little bit of that. You know, trust and faith in them, and also like to just like it's it's an accident. It's not the end of the world, right? Yes, and you might
1: drop your schedule, and it might then you might get one twenty minutes there, and you're like, "See, I knew it. That's okay." Yeah, you have to allow some room for your child to initiate the process themselves. I love that knowing you might get some messes. And that's okay. And kind of going back to what Albiona was just talking about in terms of like, yeah, I understand that. I live far from my work and my kids' daycare is far from my home. Mm-hmm. So even though my kids are three and four and they're potty trained, my three-year-old's pretty newly potty trained. Oh, yeah, that I'm asking him 15 times before we leave. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, if he says no, like, we're okay. And in the beginning, when your very first potty training, try to minimize some of that fear factor stuff that we induce in ourselves. So don't make plans. Yeah. Don't leave your house. That way you can take that off of like, well, what if this reduce some of the anxiety within yourself? So again, you feel more empowered that like, I'll get this. I got this. This is what we're dedicating, you know, our time to for a few days or for a week and everything else can kind of wait and we're going to just hunker down agree, this out, and that's okay. So don't plan outings. Don't be in the car all the time where you force yourself to make some decisions of like, Well, should I put them back in a pull-up or no? Like, we've got to go to grandma's or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So maybe just, again, that kind of comes with, again, that preparation piece of pick your timing that's going to best work for you, that you're going to feel like, I got this and I can do it. And if that's a week that you have a lot going on and a lot of appointments or outings planned with friends, maybe just wait a week.
0: Yeah, and I think you're totally right about, I think kids feed off of our anxiety about the fear of the accident. So even though we're trying to act super cool and calm about it, if that is sort of what keeps presenting, even under the surface, I think kids are so astute and keen to that. They that really they'll are. just pick up on it. I mean, even in like a session with a child, when I'm working with a kiddo who's newly potty trained, and let's say they have some expressive language, but not a ton, you can see if they happen to have an accident in my room, they immediately start bawling. Yeah. Like they haven't even said a word. And I will nine out of 10 times go, I think they just had an accident because they're so concerned themselves about not having the accident now that when it happens, which it will inevitably happen, they almost can't even process. It's like, oh my God, I did the thing that I'm not supposed to do. Now what? Right. Like there's so much weight. And the truth is it's really not that big of a deal. Right. You know, and I I remember the first few times when it would happen and I would think like something because it would be out of nowhere that they would just start screaming and I'd go, oh no. And then I'd realize it and I'd go, okay like that's all right we're gonna go change we're gonna take our time like you know but I knew that I probably did the same thing with. And sometimes we have to say that for ourselves yes you know Mm -hmm. that's not even for your
1: child you're just saying that like it's all right it's okay we're gonna just move with our schedule and that's okay
0: it's like self-talk out loud for everybody I know exactly that's so good though I think that's really important so how do you feel about the incentive piece of it like trying to find something that will help motivate them be it stickers or be it um I know with my son, we totally just did like little pieces of candy because he had such a sweet tooth. And that was the way that yeah. we sort of got him to sit
1: and try. And I do think it is important. I'm like a big uh, supporter of using some incentives. And I know that's hard for some parents that I've worked with and even just differing opinions within my own family, even as mm-hmm. I trained people saying like, well, you don't need to be giving them all this extra stuff and they should just want to do it. And that's just what people do. But honestly, it helps the process go faster. It does. And if it helps the process go faster and it makes everybody happier uh, as a parent and your child, I think why not? So I think it's important to have some things in mind and the things that you're using as incentives or rewards are going to be more effective or more powerful if it's things that they're not getting all the time anyway. So sometimes um, electronics are a big one Mm -hmm. um, that parents talk to uh, me about that they love the iPad. I'm going to let them watch the iPad when they do that. But if they're getting that at regular intervals throughout the day or like they always get it in the car on the way home when they're driving home after school or daycare or they get to watch it for 30 minutes before bed, that might not actually be as powerful as you think it will be Mm -hmm. because they know at other times that are already scheduled within their day that they're going to get it. So you have to kind of just put your heads together with your family unit to think of like what's something they love and it might be something they could eat and it might be something they can't. Some families have felt really strongly about like not wanting to use edibles or candy Mm -hmm. and for different reasons. So It might be from a sanitary germaphobe standpoint, which I kind of am, so I can kind of relate to that. Um, or it just might be thinking, like, yeah, I don't want to be giving my kids candy. Some parents like that because it's quick, it's fast, and it's almost always valuable. Um, so kind of pick what works for you. But those things are easy to stock, like little M&M minis or mini Oreos. There's lots of smaller versions of edible things that often almost don't lose their mojo for kids. Yeah. Or if you're a parent that doesn't love edibles, like I don't love edibles in the bathroom, just trying to get creative with um something that your kid likes. But again, that's kind of special or new. So like my kids are very funny little people. And my youngest one, he's more all about like the show factor and the social factor. Mm-hmm. Um, So if we got initially at anything in the bathroom, we were... um almost coming out and putting on a little show <laughs> in my living room. He didn't really care less about food. Um, but we would honestly, like we hitched up a blanket, to make it look like a show. And we brought our instruments up from my basement and we did a little potty party show for Mickey. It is so great. Uh, whereas my older one, I had to get over my edible issue mm-hmm. because he was a little bit harder and we did do suckers, which we did a lot of suckers initially, I had to get over the sugar factor. I also had a lot of mom guilt of like, oh, my gosh, people are going to judge me because I'm giving my kid four suckers a day. Over time, though, we faded those out and then we did those only for poop and then not at all. Yeah. So you got to do whatever you got to do as long as your kiddo loves it. And there's a plan, like, again, over time, just be ready that like at some point you got to fade out the food because when they're at school or without you, they're not always going to have that and you want your success to maintain so over time fading to like, we did fade to a sticker chart for the suckers eventually too. And now we don't do them at all.
0: But yeah, no, I totally agree. I know like for my son, he had such a sweet tooth and that I didn't need to do the same thing with my daughter because she's not as motivated by that. But my son loved like the little Reese's pieces. So he had to finish the whole process in the bathroom and wash his hands. And when he came out, he could go, he had his spot where he knew he could grab one and he could go ahead and have it. But um, yeah, you have to fade it out for sure. And I love the point that you made about choosing a reinforcement or choosing something that motivates them that they don't have access to all the time. That's going to make it a lot more valuable. They're going to also attach that reinforcement to doing the new thing, which is using the bathroom, which will be more motivating in and of itself. And a lot of people ask me the same thing, like, well, if you're just giving them a candy, then they're not doing it for the right reasons. And it's like, I always kind of try to help parents reframe that a little bit. One It'll never be a situation where they're only going to do it for the candy. They eventually just learn the behavior and they learn what to do. And then they just move on and it just becomes automatic like it does for everybody. The other piece of it, too, is children are not abstract in their thinking quite yet. When we're talking about potty training, they're still really concrete learners. So the idea that you're waiting for them to sort of have this like moral breakthrough of like, I'm going to use the bathroom now because it's the right thing to do. Like, that's a really tough thing to kind of convince them of. They're really going to look at path of least resistance, which is to stay in a diaper, quite frankly. And so there's a little bit of like shaping and, and teaching there that has to take place. And sometimes it's harder for some kids. So using something that's motivating can be really helpful. And like you said, can kind of move that process along in a way that is a little smoother and can go a little bit in a you know, in a direction that has a positive outcome. Absolutely. So, so I love that. And I love the idea of fading that reinforcement so important too. And, you know, all such good tips. So any final thoughts? I think you've given us so many good things to think about. Um, you know, obviously I did the same thing. Stay home and don't go anywhere is huge. I did that for three days and that was a huge, huge help. Um, stocking our houses and our cars and all these other areas with you know, different types of materials and clothes and things. But my favorite, honestly, is like the mindset, just really relax into it.
1: It is. And that's what I was going to say. My final thought is just keep on keeping on. And like you said, you're in a different experiences If you have multiple kids, it might not be the same. So if your first child was really hard, this was me. I went kicking into screaming into toilet training my second kiddo thinking like, oh gosh, I remember how hard that was. And it was different. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not, and it's also hard. You'll get through it and just be self-aware with my first child. I will admit we started toilet training. It was hard. It didn't go good. Mm -hmm. It was emotional. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was a failure of a parent and we stopped and we stopped for six months. Yeah. And then I tried it again and it was so much better the second time. So if you get on board and you try it and it just, you don't feel like you're consistent. You don't feel like you're emotionally there to be consistent and just rock through it that is okay. Take a break. Yes. You don't even have to tell anyone that you're taking a break because I think a lot of that is fear of judgment of like, yeah, you know, people think like, oh, why can't you have to train your kid?
0: Who cares? No. Thank you for saying that. It is so true.
1: So don't worry. If you start it and you stop it, just don't tell anyone that, yeah, we had to jump off that because it was too hard for me. And when you're ready, give it a go again.
0: Yeah. I love that because I can't tell you how many parents feel so much shame and guilt about that. Like I couldn't do it. I had to stop. Now it's probably going to be even worse. And honestly, it's not. No, It doesn't mean that at all is what I'm saying. It's not indicative of like, oh, did you kind of give up? Then it's going to be 10 times harder the second time you try. Not true. We see it over and over. That's not really the case. In fact, a lot of times like to your point, it might even be easier because you might be in a better place. They might be in a better place. It really is, a you know, real collaborative effort. That's for sure. So, yeah. you know, don't do it to yourself. Don't go down that rabbit hole for sure.
1: Yes. And the last thing would be, um, we did talk about this in the beginning, but if you have any major life changes coming, I would maybe just wait. Moving, starting a new school, birth of a sibling, um, medication changes or starting a medication. I usually would advise parents, Talk to your pediatrician, or wait until um, we know if there's any side effects. Because sometimes medications can cause diarrhea or changes in um, how often they're going pee, and that could also throw off everything and make you feel like, gosh, what's going on? Where can I get this? Yeah. Um So, med changes, starting, stopping, or any big life changes, just hang tight through some of those. Maybe before starting, not that you can't. You could weather the storm and do it, but. Um, I would suggest just waiting till your life stabilizes a little bit. For
0: sure. No, that's such a good point. I've said the same thing to so many parents too, like don't introduce it when you're about to embark on some kind of new life change, family change, anything that you just mentioned that if you can anticipate that, just push pause. There's no reason. And and like to the point that we made, you want to set yourself up to really succeed here. So a lot of that sort of preliminary work ahead of time that you're going to do. And if you're just seeing that the ducks aren't lining up at the moment, then don't worry about it. You know, don't do it then. So I totally agree. I love that. Amanda, you have given us so much good stuff today. Thank you so much for being on here. Looking forward to sharing this episode. I know people will have questions. And if they do, I will just send them along and send them your way. So thanks again. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening right now. And what really makes my day is if you share or recommend the podcast to a friend, it is the greatest compliment. If you have not already, head on over to com where you can subscribe to get my weekly newsletter, Parenting Skimmed, 10 sentences delivered to your inbox every Thursday to help you parent and live a better life. It's for the parent who constantly told me, I just don't have time to read. Make sure to come and say hi to me on Instagram at The Parenting Reframe. My DMs are always open and I love hearing from you. Until next time, this is Albiona.